Will not God vindicate his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will vindicate them speedily. These words of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. From his jail cell in Birmingham, Alabama in 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. penned his now famous letter to eight clergymen who had in the public statement called his nonviolent protests and his marches of prayer unwise and untimely. The letter was in many ways a rationale for immediate action in the face of injustice, an appeal for speedy vindication according to the law. What brought King to Birmingham was injustice, and what led to his imprisonment was the gospel of Jesus Christ, which compelled him to direct action in the face of this injustice. King wrote this from his jail cell. For years now I have heard the word wait. It rings in the ear of every Negro with piercing familiarity. This wait has almost always meant never. We must come to see with one of our distinguished jurists that justice too long delayed is justice denied. He continued to talk about the experience of African Americans living in the South in those days, the constant mistreatment, having to sleep in your car because even the most modest motels would deny you. He writes, when you are harried day by day, and haunted by night by the fact that you are a Negro living constantly at tiptoe stance, never quite knowing what to expect next, and are plagued with inner fears and outer resentments. When you go forever fighting a degenerating sense of nobodiness, then you will understand why we find it difficult to wait. There comes a time when the cup of endurance runs over and men are no longer willing to be plunged into the abyss of despair. I hope, sirs, you can understand our legitimate and unavoidable impatience. Nearly 54 years later, well after he was murdered outside his room in Memphis, we still find the inescapable and inexcusable cries for justice. I raise all this today because this letter illustrates well an all-too-common tension that we feel between the command to wait upon the Lord and the command to seek immediate and swift vindication, not realizing that the two go hand in hand. We are much more given to a kind of moderate hope, are we not? A desire for an uneasy and cheap peace, as opposed to real justice, as opposed to real vindication. King put his finger on the issue quite well. He confessed that the problem in the South was not so much the KKK or the white citizen's counselor, but the white moderate, who is more devoted to order than to justice, who prefers, he says, a negative peace which is the absence of tension to a positive peace which is the presence of justice, who constantly says, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I cannot agree with your methods of direct action who paternalistically believes he can set the timetable for another man's freedom. He continues, 
Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Hear that again. Shallow understanding from people of goodwill is more frustrating than absolute misunderstanding from people of ill will. Lukewarm acceptance is much more bewildering than outright rejection. In short, King had no patience for this kind of tiptoe negotiation between right and evil. And he refused to believe that God had any will for justice to be delayed, for his people to wait. And so he did quite the opposite. He went to act, and he went to pray, and he went to stand for what was right. He writes that we human beings should become co-workers with God, using time creatively, believing that the time is always ripe to do right. No matter how difficult it is, no matter how much the odds are stacked against you, the time is always ripe to do right. And this, of course, was not a dispensation with the duty to pray, not at all. He prayed constantly. I would submit to you today that we are living in a time in which many Christians are hoping for some kind of negotiated settlement with evil. A negative peace. A kind of absence of tension. Which King identifies as the absence of justice. A total lack of vindication. Certainly a total lack of the kind of vindication which we see in the gospel reading today. And we do this all the time, without even realizing we do it. Instead of praying for a halt to violence in our world, and working to that end, we hope and act for some kind of meaningful social change. Mediated settlements and wars, for tension in our world to be merely calmed. Instead of advocating for the victims of racism and racial violence, we tend to believe in mediated political solutions. Instead of praying and acting for the abolition of the murder of the unborn, we think, well, we'll settle if we could get a few Supreme Court justices. That would be fine. Instead of having zero tolerance for violence against women or body shows of sexual license, having zero tolerance for things like pornography, we think, and some will do this, they'll say, well, it's just kind of irrelevant, isn't it? And others say, well, it's a distraction. And others say, well, it's just the way things are. At the center of all human life, we experience this dissonance between the way things are and the way things ought to be. We experience the daily lack of coherence in human life. And you know what that's called? It's a three-letter word and really simple. It's sin. And we accept it as simply the way things are, and we think this is just the way our world is. Things aren't always right doesn't always work out the way you hope it will. This morning I want to suggest another way. That of crying out for immediate and swift vindication. Almost like the blood of Abel crying up from the ground after his brother murdered him. Asking God to do something swift and immediate and decisive. To snuff out evil from this world. To vindicate those who are his own. As Christians have prayed through the centuries, Lord Jesus, quickly come. 
to, like Jacob, strive with God and with men and to prevail, to advocate for justice before judges and kings, and even more so, the throne of God himself. To pray even for those things which rack our very bodies to be removed from us. To pray that we would receive true vindication. I have to tell you, I think the church is struggling with a despair problem. A very deep despair problem. And today Jesus tells a rather short story about a widow who has a just cause... And she continually takes it to a judge until she essentially wears him out or he's worried that he's going to be worn out. And he relents and grants her the justice she seeks. He puts her in the right. He tells the parable, and Luke makes this very clear, he tells it to remind the disciples to never lose heart and always to pray. The parable is, to be clear, a negative example, a way of saying if an earthly judge can be worn out by constant appeal, the Lord brings speedy vindication. But a few questions arise which are related to today's parable. And they're personal questions. The first is this. Do we really believe, do you really believe and trust that the righteous will be vindicated in creation? Do you really believe that this is the fate for God's elect? Second, do you spend more time in negotiation for this kind of negative peace than in intercession for swift vindication? Do you spend more time in hoping that we can just sort of get along than to intercede for real vindication? And third... Do you trust earthly rulers who care nothing for God, nor for us, for that matter, more than you trust in the Father of all? What I want to identify today is that bewildering, lukewarm acceptance of the way things are, which draws us away from meaningful prayer, that is that, hold on. What I want to identify this morning is that bewildering, lukewarm acceptance of the way things are, which draws us away from meaningful prayer and action. I want to identify a kind of idolatry that we can be accused of in looking to and trusting to political and ju judicial authorities and political and judicial solutions to grant any kind of relief or peace in the real problem we face, which is the problem of sin, is it not? The problem that this world is broken at a fundamental level. The widow described by Jesus today is a model for the continued cry for vindication. She keeps coming to the judge and praying before him, Vindicate me against my adversary. As a widow, she had no standing to ask this at all. No standing in the court. No ability to hold property. She was completely reliant upon the mercy of others, but probably never the mercy of a judge. She would have much more relied on the mercy of her neighbors, much more relied on the mercy of maybe her children, but it's clear that that's all dried up. Yet she does not lose heart. She does not accept a compromise. She doesn't go to the judge and say, 
give me half and my adversary half. That'd work great. Everybody'd be happier, or at least happier than we are now. Can we find some sort of mediated solution to this? She doesn't give up in the rightness of her cause. And in the end, she is vindicated by the judge. For she never flags in her, in her insistence upon the rightness of her cause. You might even say that she believes her cause to be determined by human reason, not by human reason, especially that of the judge, but by God alone. Otherwise, she would have gone to him, he would have said no, and that would have been it, right? But she goes again and again and again. This certainty and faith in a God who loves her is not set aside, but is rather the first thing in her life. Second, she is not going up to the judge to ask for mediation, a kind of middle way. Assured of the rightness of her cause, she will not accept less than full vindication. I wonder if the story were to be, were to be a bit more detailed. Would we read of the widow being presented with the possibility of a settlement or mediation or arbitration of some kind? She would have surely refused it. Third, and you can tell from the account as it is given, that she doesn't actually trust the judge to do what is right. Why should she? He neither cared for God or for her. He is the very definition of an unjust judge. And in the end, we find Jesus saying, Will not God vindicate his elect who cry to him day and night? He is essentially saying, if you see that you cannot trust earthly judges and rulers, see to it that you trust God for vindication. I suspect this, that for many of us, as desperately as we want to believe in the Lord's triumph over evil, it is at times merely conceptual. And we are given to this continual despair about the state of things. Some of us are worried about the place we live in. We're worried about our workplace. We're worried about the state of our university, even, for some of you. We're worried about the state of our church. We're worried about the state of our nation. To look at that particularly political question, it might be something like this. How disappointed or excited will you be in November? Or how disappointed are you now, more appropriately? Friends, we have been led to trust in earthly judges, and they have become, in a very real way, nothing but idols, carved out and hollow replacements for the true and living God. And in this compromise, we ourselves have become compromised, brokers of a negative peace, Rather, we must know that the Lord Jesus Christ, by becoming one of us in his incarnation, has driven out the enemy, gaining himself a decisive victory, ejecting the tyrannical rulers of this world and their demonic prince, and has put us under the easy yoke of his kingdom, a yoke under which it is ours merely to act and to pray believing earnestly that the Lord Jesus will bring our prayers to fulfillment. We must believe that he who rose from the dead to make the whole creation new is even now doing so, reconciling all things through the blood of his cross. 
Christians in every century have acted with this expectation that it will come. Brothers and sisters, if you are experiencing this dissonance between reality and the way you know things ought to be in your own life or in this world, do not lose heart. Rather pray for the grace to endure it under the yoke of the kingdom, for the Lord to exercise his lordly kingship over this world, for him to reconcile even the most desperate situations. Do not be content with a kind of negative peace, but rather cry out for swift and immediate vindication and redemption. And don't be surprised to see your hands set to the task. Remember this past week, a great mentor of mine spoke about the burden that is ours as Christians to occasionally have to bear crosses, and indeed sometimes constantly to bear crosses. And he spoke not only about the kind of pains and miseries we might face, but also about other things like conflict and disasters and disputes. And he said that when the cross gets put on our shoulders, we shouldn't ask, why, Lord, are you putting this cross on me? But instead, in faith and in prayer, say, what would you have me do with it? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.